Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you're turning your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, we're just going to come around the Word of God this morning. Isn't it good when God just breaks in and does things that we don't normally want, expect to do? And uh, we've got to be open to God doing that more. And the Spirit of God speaking to lives. I really just sense that God has a word for us this morning that's been burning on my heart. And I guess it's, it's for anyone, but it's particularly for the church as well. And if anyone's seen the social media post this week, uh, we posted out that we are running a series, a two-part series called One. If I was going to give it another name, it would be The Power of One. But the series is called One. And I'm going to be looking over the next two weeks at this particular area. And that is the importance of the body of Christ. The importance of the church as we know it. And the importance of the body as one together. How many of you know that you can do much greater things when there's a team of you? How many of you know that? Oh, come on. We're not all individuals here. We can do so much more when we're together. Amen? Just a few uh, months ago, or maybe about a month or so ago, I preached the message on, and I want to encourage you, if you've not heard this message, please download the message, Breaking Boundaries. That specific message was looking at the next season of what we're about to do in this church, and that is that we want to see expansion. We want to see growth because I don't believe that we should just accept that this is just the church as it is and just, you know, a couple of hundred seats in here and we fill that and then everyone's happy and we sing a few songs and go home. That's not what church is about. Church is about growing the kingdom of God, seeing people come in, discipled and taught, and we see the church expand. And actually this, this net in this room is just not big enough for God, really, is it? It might be big enough for you. You might say, well, I like a nice little church to come to. Well, go and have a chat with God because I think God's got far better and bigger ideas than you may have and I may have. He wants to see the kingdom of God advance. You know, we're such a small group of people compared to the whole of the city of Cambridge. Come on. That God wants to touch the heart of our city. Someone said to me the other day, they said, you've got an amazing opportunity ministering in such an amazing city. I said, I know. It's fantastic. Many people say that they don't like, they wouldn't like to preach in a city like this with all the intellectualism. If you'd have been out in the streets with us the other night when you got about five atheists attacking you, you would probably not want to be in this city. But I believe that it's not about arguments and debates. It's about bringing the kingdom of God, a revelation of it. And when people see it, it closes their mouths because they see God loves them and he wants to minister to their spirits and not their heads. Amen. Amen. So, the next season of this church is, I announced just in, in the Breaking Boundaries message, I looked at what it would be for us to do double services, and that is to just create, and again, this is not, this is not the end for God. This is just something we need to do as a church in the building we have to go to double services. So you may have seen some uh, adverts come out. We are starting our f- first double services on the 23rd of October this year. On the 23rd of October, we're going to be doing a 2 p.m. service, and the 10.30 service, as you know it today, will actually begin at 10 a.m. So there'll be a 10 a.m. Uh, until uh, 12 p.m., 
and then a 2 p.m. repeated service till 4 p.m. And we want to make sure there's a big enough gap in between those two services so that we can still have flexibility for God to move. And we don't want to convey about these meetings. That's the whole reason there is a two-hour gap between them both. So we can create flexibility. What it actually means is, it's more, if you're thinking, well, that's great, it's more work for all the workers. Because the workers are going to have to double up and hang around. But we're really believing God for this. And uh, the teams, it's been fantastic to see that all of the voluntary teams have been on board. majority of them, who can, for very good reasons, for us to do this thing. And it's going to be times when it's going to be smaller, emptier rooms. But we've got to create nets. You can't see people come in if you ain't got a net. Some people want full nets sometimes. They won't do anything unless they see full nets. I'm happy to see an emptier net seat full. And we want to see new Christians. Amen. So 23rd of October, without going into too much detail, please watch this space because we're going to be doing our first double services. There are also, to transition us towards Christmas, you'll see, if you haven't got one already, in a little bag when you arrive today, a little brochure that says about uh, four key events that make them up on the screen uh, that run through until Christmas. That is four specific events that, on the, for example, on the launch day, uh, on the 23rd of October, we have Steve Parsons preaching in the first service. Then in the second service, he'll be doing a concert. So there'll be a few events that won't be repeated to allow you to be ministered to and opportunity to come. We want to encourage you. Sometimes you may want to hang around and come to two services. And we'd encourage you to try and do that, to plant a church within a church. Amen? That's what it's about. We're here to plant churches, aren't we? So if we can do that for a time, I want to encourage you, get on board with us. It may only be for a short time as we see that grow. Now, to become a member of the church and part of this, you'll also remember early part this year, we put out membership forms. Some people have probably filled them in and said, we want to be a member and we want to be part of this church. You can still get membership forms downstairs. But what I want to encourage you is that membership is not just a piece of paper, is it? Membership is not just writing and signing your name to agreeing to a statement of faith. Membership is about being members of a body. And it's about being members of a vision. So we want the paperwork because we want to have the admin. We want to know who's on board with us. But at the same time, I'd encourage you this. Signing a piece of paper does not really make you a member, does it? Membership comes from dedication, loyalty, and giving yourself into the vision. So papers just want, papers just a percentage, 1%. The rest of it is how much do you want to be a member and giving yourself to the vision of the church. So this next two-part series I want to look at is the importance of the body of Christ and what it means and what the Bible says about it. I really believe that a healthy, active body will be something that grows really well. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 we're going to go through right through to 16. It says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul says, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as 
Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9, what does the ascendant mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, so Christ himself, a very famous verse, Ephesians 4.11, looking at the offices of, of what makes up the church and the giftings. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Amen. Until, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but I want the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't know if I could contain that, but I want the whole measure of the fullness of Christ that Ephesians says we can have. Verse 14, he says this, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. The first part of this series, of this week, of this two part, the first part is this, is staying connected. Staying connected. You see, when Paul speaks about every part doing its work, he means that everything needs to work together. And he describes many times, as we'll, go, we'll look a little bit further on, about the body, giving the analogy of a human body to demonstrate what the body of Christ should look like. But we need to stay connected. It's important that we're together doing things together. Number one today is this, and I'm going to have to move quickly because at time, I will do when October comes. But number one is to see the body of Christ stay connected and work as it should. We need to, number one, exercise humility. We need to exercise humility. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says this, Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The English Standard Version says this, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. In other words, you can get called, and God has probably got some real gifts on people's lives in this room. There are people here today who say, you know, I, I love doing this, and I love doing that, and I know God's called me to do a specific thing, but Paul says this, I urge you, the callings that have been given in your life, to walk in a manner, a good manner in the way to respond to that call. So many of us sometimes, we, we want to respond to the call, and we don't walk in a good manner. We have a good call, but not a good manner. We don't walk very well. We don't care about anyone else. We just want to focus on what we want to do. But Paul says, we need to walk in a worthy manner. 
The individual, individual call on someone's life's important, but so is the way we live it. Amen? You know, I, 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 I see, and I say it many times, I look around the room, I see this room full of potential and gifts. Gifts of things that I can't do. I just know I can't do them. Look, do you really think I want to be worship leading and preaching the same day? Probably not. I like doing it, but it's not right. It's not healthy. Do you know why? Because it needs more people. We need more worship leaders to be released. I love doing this, but it's not healthy because it's not healthy for me. So I need to see that grow. I believe there are people here with potential to lead worship. We've got to see that coming. Because I want to release these things. I like doing them, but it's time to release. It's time to see people grow because there are callings. But listen to me. If you sense in your heart that God's called you to specific giftings, if there are things in your heart that you know, I love doing this and I want to be released in this and I want to do this and that. Listen to me. Sometimes you can get so focused on the altitude of where you want to go, you forget your attitude. Just the other week, I was watching a film, Everest. I don't know if anyone's seen that. The true story of a team of people who would try to get to the top of Everest. And it's amazing as the team worked together, even when they struggled with lack of oxygen, they worked together. But some of them, they they put the risk of others because they were so focused on getting to the top, they didn't care about the rest of the team members. They're so focused on getting to the top and seeing the view at the top of Everest because they had a goal and a call in their life. They wanted to get to the very top and the the very point where they would see the highest point on the earth. But at the detriment of others. And lives were lost. There are some people today who will push their way to the top. They're so focused on what they want to do that they don't care about anyone else. And they're focused on the altitude and not the attitude. Listen to me, we need to live a life worthy in a manner, a good manner. You see, God sets the altitude, but we need to set our attitudes. Amen? God sets the altitude. He says, this is what I want you to do in your life. This is the vision I've got for you. This is the call I've got for you. Look, it's amazing, but look, you've got to have a good attitude. Paul says, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I don't don't know if you've seen this before, but it goes from this. He goes from singular to plural. He starts off by saying, I urge you to live a life worthy worthy of the calling you've received. But then he starts to talk about others. It's not all about you. He says, I I urge you to live a life worthy, to walk in a good manner. But then he says, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. In other words, there are people on this journey with you. And when you walk in a life worthy, you have got people at the side of you. Other people are just as important. In fact, you know what? Some people will be the people who give you a leg up in your calling. They'll be the people that help you. You know, Jesus is the one who's going to lift us up. But do you know what? He puts the body of Christ and the members together so we can all help each other and encourage and spur each other on in unity. You see, it's the bond of peace and the unity we need together in the body of Christ. See, I'm not talking today. I'm not talking today about whether this church is the only body. Listen to me. Do you realize all over this city today, there are hundreds of bodies all working together? 
And I'm not saying that, listen, this is the body, so you've only got to be here. There are bodies that you can be part of. But it's a good idea to choose a body and get rooted. There are hundreds to choose. In fact, you know, Cambridge is probably one of the best cities. And Oxford, maybe. The best cities to choose. There's churches everywhere. Whatever flavor, whatever taste you want, it's there. There are lots of bodies. There are lots of different activities. But I'm encouraging you, choose a body and get rooted, grafted in, into the vine. Be fruitful. Serve wholeheartedly. Give everything you are to it. The reason why I said that is because that's what I've done. And I've seen what God does when you do that. I've seen what God does when you give yourself. Someone said to me a prophecy years ago. I was waiting for some amazing prophecy. He said, your loyalty will release your destiny. I thought I wanted him to tell me something different. Loyalty? You don't put that on the fridge, do you? Loyalty is going to release your destiny? No, I want to just get to the top. No, loyalty serves well because it releases your destiny. When you give yourself to someone else's vision, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you'll see that God will do something special. There's times in the past when I served someone else's vision. I didn't always fully agree. I didn't always think this is the way I might do it, but that's not the point. Because I was positioned as a member of the body in my place. And when I respected and was loyal and served that, God shifts members around. Do you know that? Listen, you, can't, you don't always have to be a foot. I know sometimes feet are smelly. Everyone wants to be the head or, well, not the head, but the arm or whatever. You want to be the other parts. Listen to me. God shifts the parts around. <laughs> he moves us when we serve. Hallelujah. But do you know what? Satan's desire is this. He, he hits the body of Christ. He doesn't like the joining together of believers. And he wants us to think singular rather than plural. He wants us to think it's all about me. Listen, do you ever sing a song where you say it's all about me? No, it's all about you. It's him, not you or me. This church is not about me. If it is, it's going downhill. It's about God. He is the head. Christ is the head of the body. We're just all helping out a little bit. But he is the head. You know, you lose sight of the head, you move Christ out of the picture. And there's some places today, maybe churches you observe and you say, well, they look like they're not giving time for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the head has been shifted. But I want to encourage you, this place is a place where Christ is the head. No one else. Christ is ahead. However, God still puts others in authority around that. But you know what? The key is this, is we need to exercise humility. That is, when we start thinking less about us and we become humble servants for God. You see this, humility is not feeling bad or demeaning yourself. It's remembering the source of your greatness. Hallelujah. Some of us need to remind ourselves of the source of our greatness. You know, we get so far up, we get so far up Everest looking for this pivotal moment and we forget our greatness of what's brought us there. I sometimes have to look back and say, God, I remember you just took someone who was broken and you brought me to where I am today. And I'm still broken. I'm a broken vessel. 
But humility is not feeling bad or looking down on yourself. It's remembering the source of your greatness. Paul says this in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I believe exercising real humility maintains real unity. You've got to become humble. Sometimes you've got to just know when it's time to just become humble under someone else in the body of Christ. Some of us are not good at doing that. We don't like to be told, well, can you do this? Can you do that? Could you help in this area? And we choose how we want to do it. That's not a body together. If you try to do things on your own and try to do it your way, you are not joining. You're becoming singular and you're becoming singular and not plural. We need to be people who work together on this. And that requires humility. Number two today is this, that when we have humility, we'll embrace authority. If you have true humility in the body of Christ, you will truly embrace authority. You see, I've, I've experienced over time, even when I wasn't the pastor here, many times people that could not just seem to work together and embrace authority. They couldn't accept authority. Do you know what? You can sniff that from a mile off. I don't need to see, I, I can see pretty quick when someone doesn't want to have authority. And listen to me, I believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, have a coffee with me after and tell me if this is wrong, but I believe that the church leadership that we try to create here, the authority that we try to put is two-way because I will always be the one who's willing to serve. You see, what good is it if I ask you to serve if I can't serve? It's not about dictatorship. It's not about me saying, can you do this? But God has given me a, a position and I, and I will do it. I will be loyal to it. Because do you know why? It's not for our success or how good we look in the city. It's because I know that when we get to the end of time and the Lord comes and he judges us, we'll stand before him and I want, to say, I want him to say, you faithful good servant to me. I want him to look at me and say, you did it. You did it well. If I do anything out of context, then I'm defeating the object. So it's, it's good to have authority and structure. And I believe the Bible shows that. But those who live out of true humility will embrace authority. If people can't embrace authority, it's because they're not humble. We read earlier Ephesians 4.11. Everyone loves this scripture. They're talking about the offices of different specific areas of giftings. So Christ, it says, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then in 1 Corinthians 12.28, it says this, God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, Second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. It's interesting, the pastor's not there. He's vanished. I was looking, trying to find myself in there. Do you know, it's what's interesting in that particular scripture we've just read in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, is this, that there is an order. There is an order that Christ has apportioned and put. In other words, that the church needs apostles first. It's interesting that it needs prophets second. You don't find many churches probably today that have got prophets, prophets in, that are given that authority. But I'll tell you now, we need to see more prophets in this place. This church needs to be a place of a prophetic culture. 
If you know me, I love prophecy. And I love it even, even when we get it wrong. It doesn't matter. But we need to be a church that is built upon people who see ahead. They see things coming. They know when things are coming. Because that's the Spirit of God working through the prophets. So if you've got these giftings in your heart, then there is a place for you. But listen, there is apostles first, it says. Now, do you know what? I see myself as the pastor because someone gave me a title and said, can you take over the church? And I do like to be a pastor to the people. Sometimes I'm not always the best pastor. I haven't always got enough time to spread myself thinly across every single person that I meet. Sometimes pastoring people who don't even attend here. Some people say, have you got time? No, I'm meeting some people who don't even attend here. Who I'm, you know, I'm just trying to give and invest myself into. But listen to me. The pastor is important, but apostles, I believe, no one dares ever say, you know, I'm an apostle. But listen to me. I believe if we've got to look at the structured church, this church needs to be built on apostles. It needs to be an apostolic church. And listen, I've got no fear in saying this. I believe I've got an apostolic gifting. Do you know why? Because I don't believe in just pastoring. If you just pastor people, you will just care for people and never move forward. Apostolic gifting sees ahead. It sees the bigger picture. It says there is so much more than just gathering a few people together and stroking each other's egos and helping them along. Listen, there is a bigger picture. And the apostolic church looked that way because it always had a bigger picture. So I want to see myself released in these areas. Do you know why? Because I want to see this church advance and become what God intended it to be. We shouldn't just be built on pastors. You go back into the, when I was younger, many churches just built upon pastors. They're just built upon pastors. People going every week, it's like a clicky family. You know, it's, it's, you could go in there. You wouldn't even want to go there if you're a new person because it's so clicky. It's not just, we can't have it just like that. We need to have that apostolic view. Now, many of you probably know we're part of the Assemblies of God. Many, many people don't even know what the Assemblies of God stands for half the time. But the Assemblies of God is a movement moved, started back in 1924 with 26 churches. And in the time from then, in 1924, when that 26 congregations joined together to today in 2016, in 92 years, the Assemblies of God is now 550 churches across the UK. And it's still growing. I've just been asked to take over recently the, the area of this area to look after churches now and to go around and help churches. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm not doing it just so I can have more uh, things to put on my CV. I'm doing it because I've got a heart to serve and to see with an apostolic view that these churches fulfill what they're called to do. But do you know what? There's three things that the AOG, the Assemblies of God, stands for. They have a, a value, and you can check this out yourself. But one of them is this, the priority is this, that it's apostolically led. You see, you might say, well, I don't know if I want to serve in a body where someone tells me what to do. I am part of, and we choose to be part of the Assemblies of God because we come under that authority. We stand under authority of apostles, and we want to be apostolically led by those as well. So as part of the Assemblies of God, we recognize the Ephesians 4.11 giftings that apostles are important. So I want to encourage you today, we're not just part of some small little group. 
We're a church that's growing and advancing. If you're saying, well, I'm not sure I'm seeing enough growth. I could show you and take you to the conferences. You come along to the Assemblies of God conference. You'll see there is nearly 2,000 people gathered last year representing leadership of all churches across the UK of those 550 churches. God is growing his church. And we're part of something great. We're part of something amazing. It works for us as well. The second thing that Assemblies of God stands for is that they're relationally connected. They believe in relational connections, mutual submission and meeting together. In other words, you mutually submit. Do you know one of the things that the, one of the, the leaders who was about to become the, the guy who asked me to take over these churches in this area is the person who's going to become the national leader next year for Assemblies of God. And in relationship through with him, one of the great things I found is this. He doesn't tell me what to do. He says, I'm releasing you to do what I know you can do. And that is the spirit that I want in this place. He didn't come and say on the phone to me, you've got to do it this way. Do you know what he said to me? He says, I'm seeing that you've got giftings, teaching and evangelism, and the things that you're bringing. I want this to be infiltrated into the assemblies of God. In February of next year, I'm booked in to minister in, in February in London to about 10 pastors and teaching them on the things that we've learned here in the supernatural. Do you know what? Some people can say, and I've heard it, they put down the Assemblies of God. They say, oh, I'm not sure I want to be part of this group. You know, I want it to be this or that. Listen, stop moaning and get doing something. I tell them, you can't change everything. You've just got to influence it. You'll always complain about any church, anybody. You'll always do it. But I tell them, listen to me, unless you start doing something, you'll never change anything. So my job is this, not to change the AOG, but to influence it. And I want to encourage you that as I do these things, this is the type of church we want to see here. Apostolically led, relationally connected, and finally, missionally focused. Missionally focused. In two weeks, we're taking our first uh, trip missions. It's, to some, it may be a small mission, but listen, it's a step. It's a step as we go forward and say, do you know what? The, the picture's a little bit bigger than this room. It's a bit bigger because we've got to see that there are giftings in this room where people need to go to other nations, not just to evangelize, but to do other great things. Amen? Missionally focused. Committed to serving locally and globally as well. You see, I believe this, that a set accepting authority will release our ability and it will expand our capacity. I'm going to say that again. When we accept and embrace authority, it will release our ability and expand our capacity. If you want to see your capacity expanded, then you've got to embrace authority. You've got to be humble, embrace authority, and let God do these things through you. Amen? You're saying, well, I'm not sure this is biblical. Jesus himself demonstrated this. If you look in Philippians 2, Verse 5 to 9, it says this. You see on the screen, in your relationships with one, one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, Therefore, here it is, when he humbles himself, he lowers himself, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. 
Do you think that Jesus hasn't done it? He sets the, he sets the standard. He sets the principle. He says, listen, if you can humble yourself, Jesus didn't have to do this. He had all equality with his father, but he humbled himself. He became obedient to death upon a cross. And then it says, the father God exalted him. And gave him the name above every name. If you want the name tag... You keep pushing to the top and pushing people out of the way, you'll never get it. But if you humble yourself, God will lift you up at the right time. Amen? In 2006, someone gave me a prophecy and told me some things about what I might do in the future and said about ministry. And I listened to this prophecy and I thought, wow, this is amazing. But looking back now, when 2006, I didn't walk into, walk through that door from 2006 until 2013, seven years later, when I look back now, I realize why I didn't walk through any earlier. It's because I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't mature enough. I thought I wanted to get then. The prophecy came. This is why prophecies are dangerous sometimes. People get the prophecies and then they think it's got to happen tomorrow. But God said, no, 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 no. I'm showing you. The reason why I've only shown you partially is because you get a bit too excited. And you would be jumping a bit too far ahead of yourself. The truth is this. God showed me and it took me seven years to mature up. And to realize that if I'm going to walk through this door, I've got to be mature. Because I think I'd have made some big mistakes. I probably wouldn't be here now. We've got to be ready. Chris Vallotton from Bethel Church in America says this. As new creatures in Christ, we all need to be accountable to people who are regularly reminding us that we're born to make history. That's why it's called accountability and not account disability. When you become accountable to someone, it gives you ability to do what God has called you to do. It doesn't disable you, but it actually releases you and exalts you into the things that God wants to do. Amen? Godly submission is a mutual practice. In 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 5, it says this. It shows us this very model, and I want you to just read this with me. It's so important stuff this, this morning. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds. Here he is. He's speaking to me now. Be shepherds of, and the elders, be, God, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I want that. I don't know about you. There's a lot of crowns out there today, but I want the crown that never fades. <laughs> You'll only get it by serving the king. But then it says this, it tells me everything I need to be doing and I need to do this honestly and I need to do it humbly and I need to do this because I'll receive my reward. But then verse 5, it says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, not just some, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Listen to me. If you want favor to get to the top of Everest in your giftings, you better become humble before God. I believe that this church is going to have favor poured out upon it. Because it's going to be built upon people who are humble. 
It's going to be built upon people who have humility and understand that we're all playing this part together. Finally, the final point I want to say is this, is that a good body establishes maturity. A good body, when it's functioning, you see, when everything's working well, and listen to me, you might be saying today, well, I'm... I've not signed up a membership form. I'm not really sure I'm part of this church. Do you know what? Right now, in this moment, there's opportunity for every single human being sat in this room, whether you're a member or not, to say, I want to be part of this vision. I want to fulfill because I really believe in this church because I believe we're going somewhere. We need to establish that maturity. Do you know what maturity I believe is in, in the body of Christ? It's this. It's the shift from competition to collaboration. It's the shift from competition to collaboration. There are many people who are trying to compete out there, trying to do their own thing. Trying to com- it's like a competition. But the truth is this, the body that's in success is one of collaboration. The one that sees that we need to work together and sometimes we have to humble ourselves so that someone else can be lifted up. It's not about us. It moves from competition to collaboration. In Ephesians 4, verse 15 to 16, it says this, We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, you've all got to be doing your work. Parts doing their work together. Paul uses his analogy of the body Because it's a great picture to show us. As I said earlier, some of us sometimes, you may say, I don't know if I want to be a toenail, a foot. You know, I I, I prefer to be some of the the better spectacular things. Do do you know something? This is the real truth. And I'm not just saying this because it sounds good, but it's true. The unspectacular gifts are the ones that make it all work. Some people don't want to look at the unspectacular gifts. They want to look at the ones that look amazing. Oh, I just want to move in miracles. Listen to me. If you've never moved in miracles, don't worry. If you're serving coffee downstairs and you're serving and helping in a different way, you are doing exactly the same because God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't say, oh, you know, that person went out and he saw a miracle, so that person's more important than the one who serves the coffee. No. God is not a respecter of persons and he sees the body functioning together. Because sometimes when people are out there and they see miracles, they're not always here to serve the coffee. When the person walks through the door, they need someone to say hi to them. I've had people come to me and say, the only reason I came to this church is because you said hello. Not because of a miracle, because you loved me when I walked through the door. We've all got a lot to learn about this. (laughs) But we have. It's true, the body, and I want to encourage you today, whoever you are, whatever place you're in right now, don't put yourself down if you're not doing what someone else is doing. Don't put yourself down. Listen, when I encourage people to say, come to the streets, I'm not doing it so I can get all the percentage of everyone to do it. It's lovely if we can all have a go. But listen, there are people here who can do far better things than I can in other areas. Do you see that? And God knows that. And he built and apportioned his church for that reason. You see, some Feet go out and evangelize, but some people cry out. Some feet go out, some people cry out. What I loved on Tuesday night last week, we were down, and 
there's a high percentage of what we really felt were divine appointments. I mean it. That were so divine that even the people accepted it as I told them this. But I said, do you know what? There's a team of people being praying back at the church tonight that we would have divine appointments. Some feet go out, some people cry out. So if you're crying out, don't worry if your feet are not going out. But have a go sometimes. Don't worry. Don't be scared. I hope this is helping you today. It's so important. See, this is what it says, and I'm going to wrap up soon, but it's so important that I give this today. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 says this, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, I would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Then verse 24, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Hallelujah. Do you know what? Everything we do, it's all for one purpose. You see, some people today saying, I've been a foot for a long time and I want to be a mouth. Well, be loyal and serve as a foot. And you will be a mouth. Foot and mouth. Probably not a good idea. But you will. God will release you. You can see it in people. But do you know what? I just want to say this to you. The mouth does several things. It encourages. It intercedes. It prophesies. And it evangelizes. Let me say that again. The mouth, as much as you want to be a mouth, it's not all about preaching. It's not all about getting hold of a metal microphone at the front. Listen to me. Your gifting of your mouth can encourage, intercede, prophesy, and evangelize. It has many functions. But some of us think that the only time it's going to work is when it's got this. It's wrong. God is saying, I want, you to, I want to see you encourage your brother and sister first. I want to see you use your mouth to prophesy. The time will come when he will take you to the altitude because you have the right attitude. You see, John 1, 23, John the Baptist was asked, are you the Messiah? He says, no, I am the one, the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, making straight the way for the Lord. In other words, I know you're looking at me, but listen. It's all about him. I'm just, I'm just part of the voice that functions to point to the one who's coming. <laughs> to the more important one. Do you know what? The body's not about you, but it certainly depends on you. The body's not about you, but it depends on you to function and to work together. Because I believe that we're Christ's ambassadors. Amen. We represent Christ. Sometimes some of us, our attitudes, if they're wrong and they're off, the maturity, the immaturity just puts people off. 
Every one of us represent Christ. Not just me with the microphone today, but everyone as someone journeys in here and comes to find Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour. Just the other day I was catching the bus somewhere. I had to go to a funeral and I didn't have the car, so I had to get a bus somewhere. And I went, I looked online, found the times for these buses, and I went to the bus stop and I, I organised all my time. I always like to be there, try to be there an hour earlier than I should be, just in case anything went wrong. So I, I planned all this, get to the bus stop. These buses only run once every hour. So I stand at the bus and I give myself 15 minutes to wait for this particular bus. Well, it got to the time. The bus never arrived. I'm waiting 15 minutes. So I thought, well, what do I do? There's no, there's no electronic thing telling me that it's late. So I phoned up the number. Thankfully, a little uh, a guy, a young guy answers at the other end of the phone. It's called Nigel. And he says to me, how can I help? I said, well, to be quite honest, I said, I'm stuck because I've got to get to a funeral. And the bus is not, it's 15 minutes late. It's not come. He says, the next one's another hour. He said this to me, he said, well, you're going to have to just hang on in there. And I said, well, there's another bus coming. And he said this to me, he said, I'll just go and check. So he goes back to the person and he checks with them. And this person tells him something. He comes back to me and he says to me, I'm not, all I can tell you is I'm really sorry that you can't get your bus, but the next one is in one hour, but I can't guarantee exactly if it's coming. Now, at this point, I realize that if I miss the next one, I've got big problems on getting to the funeral. I have to make some choices, and I'm trying to make some decisions at this moment. What am I going to do? Do I need to get a taxi? How am I going to get to this place? And I'm saying, I don't understand. I said, you're speaking to all the people who are running this company, and you cannot tell me definitely. Is it definitely coming? And he says, no, I'm really, really sorry. And then he says, I'm going to try and find out if there's any other place, buses that can take you. So he, he takes my number, and he rings me back five minutes later, and he's telling me different alternatives. Listen to me, Nigel, young little Nigel, is the representative of Go Whip It Coaches. You know, that day I was getting very wound up. Very wound up because I couldn't get to where I wanted to get to. And I thought, I've got here an hour earlier and I can't get there. I'm not happy with Go Whip It. I'm going to use someone else next time. But do you know what? I still got faith in Go Whip It because of young Nigel. Because he helped me. He took my phone number. He phoned me back five minutes later. He gave me other alternatives and other options. Because do you know the truth is this? Go Whip It Coaches is not the person sat in the office at the back. It's young Nigel on the phone. That's Go Whip It for me. Because every time I think of Go Whip It, I think of young Nigel. Young Nigel who took my number and really felt the pain. And he understood where I was at. But listen to me, why do I tell you this? You've got to hear me this morning. It's important because when you do any little part that's in the body of Christ, people remember it. And you don't think they do? People see it. People see it. And we've got to learn to operate at all levels. I don't know if you've ever noticed that you get a watch, beautiful watch. You could spend thousands and thousands of pounds on a watch. When the battery stops working, it's dead. It's no good. You open it up, you realize all the cogs that are inside that make the thing function. All those gears that make the watch work. Those little hands tick around those diamonds and that beautiful looking watch. But it's no good if there's no battery to start with. And it's no good if one gear's missing. Listen to me. Some people have removed the head, they've removed the power, the battery. The thing's dead. Some people have got the battery, but they've removed the cog. Listen to me. You're a cog. You're a gear as part of this body. Do not 
remove yourself. Be part of something that is great. Do you know what I want to say? Finally, if you're not willing to be part of this body, you can jump ship, you can go wherever you want, and you can do something. But I want to, guarantee, I want to say this to you, and I've said it all my life while I've been here. Whatever you want to do, be rooted in somewhere where you can be fruitful. Where there is good, solid infrastructure to allow you to release you in all the Ephesians 4.11 giftings. Because that's what we're about. And I believe this is a fantastic church. Not because I'm leading it, because of the people that are in here. You are the church. And I want to say this to you. Don't let your gift take you where there's no body to hold you. Don't let your gift take you where there's no body to hold you. Because you won't last very long at all. Gifts are not what it's all about. But we're all here for a common purpose. To lift up the name of Jesus. And to draw men and women, young and old, to find Him. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.